This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has proposed to list the West Virginia spring salamander on the endangered species list. But that still might not protect the species. Above it is all private land and unfortunately there is logging and pond construction that will threaten this stream. That story and more coming up this West Virginia Morning. Support for West Virginia Morning is proudly provided by Luke Frazier. LG Electronics is planning to invest $700 million in projects for new business ventures in West Virginia. Brianna Heaney has more. Officials say the investment will create 275 highly skilled jobs in the state. West Virginia House of Delegates Speaker Roger Hanshaw said the investment will help diversify West Virginia's economy. We are proud today to say that energy is not just our past, it's also our future. But it's a 21st century future now. We're proud to say that we have become a 21st century economy, that we are no longer bound to any particular segment of industry as our economic future. The money is part of the LG Nova West Virginia Investment Fund that collaborates with startups and partners that have a positive impact on communities and the planet. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Brianna Heaney in Charleston. A New Year state budget surplus announcement comes with questions on state program funding. Randy Yowie has more. In his first weekly briefing of 2024, Governor Jim Justice announced that for the first half of fiscal year 2024, general revenue collections were $406 million above the estimate. He said December 2023 surplus collections were driven by a strong performance from personal income taxes and corporate net income tax. Justice said the surplus numbers are even more prominent when figuring in a 21.25% personal income tax cut. The largest in the state history tax cut that we delivered to all of our people, well in excess of $750 million. However, in the briefing, Justice was asked about finding a permanent funding source for volunteer fire departments and reducing jail and prison overcrowding. In both cases, he said there was surplus money to help, but gave no specific answers on how that help will come. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Randy Yowie in Charleston. Blinko Glass has been a West Virginia institution for more than a century, making everything from stem and tableware to decorative glass figurines. They do this through traditional hand-carved cherry wood molds. WVPB's Emily Rice toured the Blinko factory in Milton, West Virginia, and has this story. In an era of speed, Algorithms and increasing automation, Blinko Glass holds true to its ethos. Handmade from sand to hand. James Arnett is the creative director of Blinko Glass. Blinko was unique being handmade, but especially unique still being handmade in 2023. Arnett describes Blinko's glassmaking process as an art, one that includes the careful steps of workers in the shop's dance of molten glass, heat, and classic wooden molds. The glassblowing process is magical, alchemical. 
Um, it's intense to watch, right? There's seven moving bodies per shop, each one doing a different task that makes the glass uh, from sand to hand, as we call it. In a workshop with so many vital pairs of hands, one pair touches most everything in the shop. The shop's wood mold maker, Daniel Chapman. He's the man where the rubber hits the road, right? So it goes from paper, but it has to go into a mold. Right, um, that's a cornerstone of our glass blowing process. Like most workers at Blinko Glass, Daniel Chapman just needed a job when he was hired on at 18 years old. You know, nobody came to glass for glass, um, not here. We all came from other corners of the world or just because we needed a job. And we had the sort of thrill and the privilege of being able to come into this, into this environment and pick up a trade, a craft, um, and an art. Arnett said each mold is a benchmark by which to form the pieces. All pieces start as a blob of molten glass, which is attached to a long, hollow metal pole. The blower blows into the pole, creating a pocket of air in the blob of molten glass. As you can imagine, the glass blowing process is not a quiet one, so please forgive the audio as we make our way onto the hotshot floor. So the thing about the way that wood molds work is that when the blower inflates the glass within the cherry wood mold, which has been soaking and is wet, um, it creates a pocket of steam on the inside of the form of that mold that I say the glass rides, right? So as the blower spins that pipe with that hot unformed mass with the air behind it in that mold, it creates a pocket where the glass doesn't even really touch the edge of the wood. It creates a sort of a negative space around it that allows it to take its form. Uh, our wood molds would burn out really fast if we didn't have that sort of centrifugal technology behind our blowing. Daniel not only conceives of and creates the wooden molds, but keeps everyone's tools in working order. It's really neat to watch Daniel interact with our shop floor um, on, on a daily basis. He will come up to watch uh, to make sure that our new molds are being blown in well, accurately, responsibly. Um, he'll take a look at the, the health of our molds. Uh, he'll take a look at the health of our tools to make sure that they're still effective, they're still clean, they still work to the purpose that they were cut to. Um, and his cumulative wisdom about how glass is blown from the side of working wood um, really informs the way that we do everything on our hotshot floor. Blinko Glass uses its wooden molds differently from other studios, allowing them to soak for years so they can be used over and over again. So this is, it's a legacy. He's making not just sort of the form in which the glass goes, but he's making an artifact every single time um, that has a long life uh, in our hands. And it reminds us too that I mean, nothing here goes to waste. Everything that we make, that we use, um, has multiple purposes, has cross purposes, has been reclaimed, refashioned, reformed, or refurbished in some way. That was James Arnett speaking with Emily Rice at the Blinko Glass Factory in Milton. To hear the rest of that story and more, listen to Inside Appalachia Sunday mornings at 7 and Sunday evenings at 6 right here on West Virginia Public Broadcasting. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 7.51. Chances snow this morning with gradual clearing today, highs in the 30s and low 40s. 
Clear tonight, lows in the teens and 20s, and mostly sunny tomorrow with highs in the 30s and low 40s. Support for WVPB is provided by the West Virginia Environmental Council, helping to expand and protect solar power in West Virginia. Info at wvecouncil.org. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has proposed to list the West Virginia spring salamander on the endangered species list. Curtis Tate spoke with Will Harlan, a senior scientist at the Center for Biological Diversity, about the spring salamander. Your organization says there are fewer than 300 spring salamanders left, all of them in Greenbrier County. Yes, and, and that's, a, that's a generous estimate. They only exist in this single cave system with this single stream flowing through it. And despite the critical habitat protections that this new listing will provide, they only provide to the subsurface habitat of this species. Above it is all private land. And unfortunately, there is logging and pond construction that will threaten this stream and its habit and and the underground habitat. So uh, still, uh, the species will will still face some threats even with this protection. What can be done about it? Is a conservation easement possible? Yes. So there are certainly some steps that that can be taken, and it's still early. This is just the proposed rule. Then the final rule has to be issued, uh, and, and then there'll be more specifics that follow. Hopefully the the listing will encourage the private landowner to work with the fish and wildlife service the private landowners uh, surrounding this this habitat to adopt habitat conservation plans that will mitigate the impacts to this species that's essentially what happens uh, is private landowners are asked to voluntarily make mitigation take mitigation measures to reduce their impact to this species. Now, ultimately, Fish and Wildlife Service can be more strong-armed, but they prefer to uh, work with landowners to try to come up with voluntary measures to reduce their impact on, on endangered species. How does the spring salamander rank among endangered species? I would say this is one of the more endangered species in the country with such a small population and only a single location remaining, it is incredibly vulnerable uh, to extinction. And with no public lands surrounding it, it, it's essentially dependent on private landowners to do the right thing at this point. And that makes it uh, an incredibly precarious position. So I would say this is among the most endangered species in the country. Thankfully, Fish and Wildlife Service has stepped in and uh, provided not just endangered species status, but also critical habitat, which ensures that its essential habitat is permanently protected and every possible measure is taken to ensure that upstream impacts 
uh, are minimized. So it has now a fighting chance. Are other types of salamanders facing the same threats? Unfortunately, yes, uh, they're facing many of the same threats, but salamanders occupy a wide variety of niches, a, a wide variety of habitats. So some salamanders face different threats than others, but they all face some, some common themes in terms of threats. Uh, I think industrial logging, industrial mining, uh, dams and uh, development, uh, dilution of water quality, water pollution, I think are, are kind of some of the common threats. But I'll mention some other salamanders in West Virginia that are, are also on the brink that we're also awaiting a listing decision for. It could come any day. We, we were told it was supposed to come this month, so it could be within the next week. Uh, the yellow-spotted woodland salamander, Plethodon polii, almost a completely different habitat than the, the cave salamander, but, but some similar overlap too. So this salamander only exists in the shale and sandstone outcrops that are also targeted by mountaintop removal mining. So this salamander uh, hides in the crevices of, of these outcrops. There's only 21 populations left. Most of them are only of a couple, a single or a couple individuals. Only uh, 65 of these salamanders have been seen in the last 20 years. So they're, they're barely hanging on and mountaintop removal mining is targeting the same habitat where they live. So uh, that, that's an existential threat to this species. And we anticipate them being uh, a finding coming from Fish and Wildlife Service that they are warranted for listing hopefully this month. And, but but uh, there's also the Cheat Mountain salamander, which only exists uh, in the Cheat Mountain region of West Virginia. And these salamanders don't have lungs and they hide in the on the forest floor essentially they need moist cool damp habitat and if those forests are logged or drought or uh, um, other factors dry out their habitat uh, they're toast so they, they need these cool moist habitats that Appalachia has historically uh, provided all of our uh, our water the the, the, the number of rivers and streams flowing through the region and the dense canopies historically have provided perfect habitat for salamanders. This is the salamander capital of the world. Appalachia is home to more species of salamander than anywhere else on the planet. But because of what we're doing to that habitat, uh, we're, we're jeopardizing a lot of these species. That was Will Harlan of the Center for Biological Diversity, speaking with Curtis Tate about the West Virginia spring salamander. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Bill Lynch, Brianna Heaney, Caroline McGregor, Chris Schultz, Curtis Tate, Emily Rice, Eric Douglas, Liz McCormick, and Randy Yowie. Eric Douglas is our news director, and he produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning.